Welcome to Where We Land, a podcast that explores the relationship between Christ culture and the church. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. My name is Aaron, and I'm joined here in the studio today with my co-host, Laura. Hey, everybody. And Stephen. Hello, everyone. And we are back from a brief season break. And uh, man, it's so good to be back recording. We've been hearing from a lot of you asking us, when is where we land? Uh, Dropping a new episode. And so we've just been really busy kind of laying out some new episodes. We're trying to lay out a little bit of a new format for our conversation together. And we'll be talking about that in just a little bit. But for those of you who are listening today, maybe for the first time, uh, I just want to just take a moment and have you get to know us. Um, This may be the first episode that you've ever listened to. And uh, Stephen, Laura, and I are just three friends that are really passionate about the gospel and wanting to uh, really help the church um, and, and the church not only where we serve, but the church at large to really think well about just some current issues that are facing the church today. So um, it's been great to have Laura with us uh, on this new uh, kind of endeavor. And uh, Laura, why don't you take a minute just to introduce yourself again? Sure. Um, As Aaron said, I'm Laura. I'm married to Michael. We've been married for 14 years. We have two boys, John, who's 10, and Asa, who is 8. And um, I'm just a Christian layperson working in the community and excited to see what God is going to do um, through the gospel in our city. You have a big heart for the church, I think. Mm. I mean, I have a heart for seeing people um, know what they believe, why they believe it, right, and uh, stand firm on that. Yeah, yeah. And Stephen's not a new voice to many of you. No, hopefully not. Uh, if I am, that means it's on you, not on us, because <laughs> uh, you have been listening. Uh, but yeah, no, I've been here for, well, since the inception of Where We Land. I remember the uh, first day uh, in the studio and all that. So, But uh, I'm not a new voice. I serve on staff at Catawba Valley Baptist uh, as one of the pastors, along with Aaron, and uh, loving what the Lord is doing. And I am almost done with seminary. Uh, I will have my Master's of Divinity degree in hand uh, in December, as long as nothing you see the dramatic end. happens. Yes. And the problem with seeing the end is that you, uh, you, don't, care anymore. <laughs> you don't care as much. <laughs> uh, it's sad to say it's human nature. Like you can see the, you can see the finish line. So pressing towards the finish line at the very end is the hardest. So we're, uh, we are in, are you limping? Are you limping towards no, the finish line? No, we're not limping, Okay, but we are, we are running against, uh, against the grain. <laughs> So, and you're married to Emily. Yes. So, also, shout out to Emily, by the way, for taking the headshots for the podcast. Yes. And the photography she, she stuff. She came in on her off day from work this morning and uh, she was working around the house and doing some things. And she came in and took some headshots of us. Um, she is not necessarily like. Uh, she doesn't. She's not full time in photography, but she does have a little side business called Emmy Ann Photography, and she does it here and there for some things. And she enjoys it as more of a hobby. And then every now and then she'll be like, "Oh, we're going to do like a lot of this." And then <laughs> so she goes in like cycles when she's like super interested in it. But she did a great job she this morning. She does a great. Thank job. you, Emily. Shout out to you and. Uh, and my name is Aaron, and I'm married to my wife, Jessica. We've been uh, serving at the church where we're at here in Catawba for a little over eight years. And I said that to somebody the other day, and I was like, man, now I begin to feel like I've been here a while. You know, like when I was here for a few years, it didn't seem that long. But now eight years, it just 
that to me seems like a long time. I mean, you're closer to a decade. <laughs> to a decade. You're, you're close yeah. to a decade. And, uh, I mean, that's a long time. But I have the great privilege of pastoring a church here, and uh, Stephen and I, and you know, we. Um, I think when we think about the reason for beginning the podcast, you know, the way we felt like is, especially within the church today, it often seems like ignorance or emotion or a person's tradition, their background, the way they grew up, or even honestly, sometimes apathy have become the informants of our faith instead of the rock solid truth of God's word. And so what we want to do here in every episode is we want to deal with a relevant issue that is facing the church today, but we want to seek to inform our understanding uh, around uh, the foundation, the truth of God's word. And so if this is your first time with us, just let me tell you, we're, we're kind of beginning today, kind of launching a little bit of a, a new format for where we land. We're going to be releasing episodes every other Friday. And uh, with that, our endeavor is we're wanting to provide you at the end of a discussion, a landing guide. And so we're going to encourage you that after you've taken time to listen to the episode, that you would go to our website at whereweland.org, download the landing guide. And so that after you've listened to a conversation of us hearing where we land, that that would actually encourage you uh, to work through some material. We're just going to give you some kind of bullet point, helpful resources, some key scripture passages, and even some pointed discussion questions to kind of help you work through some of this on your own so that you might better understand where you land. And so uh, if you've enjoyed listening to where we land, um, we would really just encourage you to uh, write a review, uh, to rate us wherever you consume the content, and that you would hit the subscribe button so that you could uh, receive these episodes as we release them every other Friday and uh, invite other people to become a part of this conversation. And uh, we hope that this is just going to be a real encouragement uh, to the church. Well, with all of that, let's go ahead and just jump in uh, to our topic today. And uh, before we begin, let me just say I've been battling some ragweed allergies. It seems to hit like every fall. And so if I sound like a bass this morning instead of a tenor, that is a... Uh, which he really does. Which yes. I really yeah. do. We did not invite Darth Vader into the podcast recording we'll building. It's just ragweed. I think it's a little better right now than it was earlier. When I first got here, he was way It was rough. Yeah. It was rough. Ragweed is no joke, by the way, especially in Catawba. Because we have so many open fields and farmland, like ragweed is no joke around here, man. Like it is kind of a debilitating thing if you have a ragweed yeah. allergy around here. It is death. It's no joke. <laughs> it is death in October. It doesn't help either here. that we're in like a so, valley, and so it all settles. Yeah. <laughs> but um, we're really glad that you've joined us today. We're talking about an interesting topic, really probably one that at first glance you're like, well, what does that even mean? Um, but in today's episode, we're looking at kind of a cultural, modern wave of Christian nationalism and a, a Christian's response to it. So I, th I think before we jump in, we really need to kind of, in a, in a discussion like this, uh, we really needed to define our terms. And so before we even talk about Christian nationalism, I think, could one of you guys just kind of give us a basic definition of nationalism? Yeah. So I think if if you've heard of nationalism, you're like... Uh, isn't that just like patriotism? And I think historically the two words were tied together, but a simple definition off of Merriam-Webster for uh, nationalism would be a sense of national consciousness, exalting one nation above others and placing primary emphasis on promotion of its culture and interest as opposed to those of other nations 
um, or um, supranational groups. So it's this idea of uh, I'm going to give my allegiance to one country over another um, and be a citizen of one country over another. And in a sense, um, historically, that is a almost kind of like patriotism, right? Like I'm going to support the nation of which I'm a citizen of and um, so on. So that would be kind of your straightforward nationalism only definition. I think it's loosely connected to patriotism, but I think it's, it is different because it's I think very where different. patriotism would be the kind of sense that like you appreciate or are proud of the nation that you're a part of nationalism itself is actually more of an ideology. Like it's more of a, it's kind of what you were saying, the definition you gave, it's that premise. I think uh, Britannica put it this way. It's the premise that the individual's loyalty and devotion to the nation state surpasses other individual or group interest, which exactly. Which, okay. So it, you think of it like a spectrum, right? Like if you think about on one end of the spectrum, if we think of nationalism as just simply, um, you know, promoting uh, the nation, the appreciation of the nation that you're a part of, you know, I think you can see positive examples of that. Like, um, we just had the, 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 the world Olympics, right? right? I mean, so you see an aspect of nationalism in that, like mm-hmm. that, that, you know, even in terms of military or, yeah. I think you see a lot of it, especially in, you know, uh, military communities and, you know, where it's just a strong identity and unity. Of, of a unity yeah. to the nation state. But that's like one, like that's one spectrum. Like yeah. if you look at the other end of the spectrum and the other extreme, it's, it's taking the definition to really where it's headed. And that's showing it's not just a national identity or a culture, but it's, it, it's the premise that it surpasses other individual or group interests. So it's, it's promoted over other nations or people groups. Yeah, exactly. And patriotism is just like a simple love or devotion for one's country. If you look up the definition of it, it stops there. But like, if you look up nationalism, even in Oxford language uh, dictionary, it takes it to the extent where it says, yeah, it's for the interest of one nation, but then it even takes it further and says, especially to the exclusion or detriment of the interests of other nations. So it's really focused on like what you're saying, the, ideology that we are better we are the best and we will enforce our will on everyone and anyone um that very nationalistic spirit and attitude um and i i mean i think you could argue too that it's been on display throughout history in uh the wars that our world has faced over time you know like um all the empires that have risen i mean what is that well that's nationalism yeah you know Mm -hmm. and it might be um nationalism between a couple of countries like (laughs) with the uh when they would make treaties with one another and go in with like the city states of uh greece right back when they conquered everything but like roman empire is like the Roman Empire is a perfect example of what nationalism is, yeah, the yeah. ideology yeah, behind true. it. That's good. And, and war does that. It generates kind of that strongest expression of a nationalism of a country. So what, how would you add to that, Laura? Well, I think you guys have some really good points. Um, and that leads me to, you know, we've talked about historical nationalism. But what about now? Like, why does this matter now in our country? Um, I think it's a really tense topic in America right now. I mean, would would you agree with that? And I think it was even, it still is, but I think even it, before the election was even more so. Because what okay. has happened over the last couple of years is that nationalism has become politicized 
through the statement, make America great again. Now, it's not our endeavor on the podcast to get into a political discussion today, but I think it just, we need to understand that phrase and what it's rooted in nationalism because it the, the phrase make America great again is this idea that America used to be great until fill in the blank and whatever happened, mm. now it's no longer great. And so in the past, as we've defined America a lot of times in terms of what we hold in common with one another, I think what that phrase did is it undermined a lot of what we had in common and it now pits us against what we are against. All right. So, I mean, I think it's um, I, I only say that because I think in doing that, it has become nationalism has become politicized. And then when you just look at statistics, right, that a large percentage of evangelical Christians would represent would would associate with a certain political party. Now you've interlaid another um, element of evangelical Christianity into that fabric, you know. Hmm. So I think that's where you get some of the Christian nationalism. You know, it's. um uh, Paul Miller, he wrote an article on Christianity Today that is entitled, What is Christian Nationalism? And in his article, he says this, and I think it's so helpful. He says, Christian nationalism is the belief that American nation is defined by Christianity and that the government should take active steps to keep it that way. Particularly, Christian nationalists assert that America is and must remain a Christian nation, not merely as an observation about American history, but as a perspective program for what America must continue to be in the future. So what do you think about that, Laura? Hmm. I'm sitting here really and truly thinking through everything you just said. Um, right. So what do you think then, Say, have as you've said all of that, right. what do you think is the end? So would you say the end goal of Christian nationalism is to like restore it to what they would see as the former glory of America? Um, what does that look like? I think What's the end I'll just goal? give you like, this is my opinion. Yeah, I'm not speaking opinion. for everybody on the yeah. podcast here, but I think what you see in, because of how nationalism has been politicized through that statement and just based off of where maybe some evangelical Christians would associate with a particular party because of uh, a, a stance. I mean, I think you've got to go back though. I mean, a lot of this came out of Roe v. Wade and the abortion things. And so it's, you go to a history. And I don't want to take time to look at all of that right here. But I think it's important to underscore that if we think that America is a Christian nation, which I think there's an element of people today, Christians, that would say that, like America is a Christian nation. Well, what we're doing is we're elevating nationalism because we're 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 making the statement that um, it's this idea that the that America has been and should always be Christian, and so. It's identity as a nation, how we view history, even the symbols that we use, um, our values are, are to keep it that way. So my, my whole point is this, that America has never been a Christian nation, but, but for those that would hold to a Christian nationalism, they would see that America is Christian or we not only were founded, they would say on Christian principles and Christian values, but so the attitude, if our attitude is that America is a Christian nation, then we're always trying to reform a culture. Hmm. We're always trying to set right where it went wrong. But if we realize that America has never been a Christian nation, then our attitude is no longer to reform a culture. Now it's to reach a culture. 
What do you say to the person who's listening right now that all of a sudden feels a little up in arms because you just said America's never been a Christian nation? Yeah. And so I, what, do, what would you say to them? It's not. <laughs> but why? It's, it's not. Because yeah, I think you got to go deeper than that, though. You got to yeah. tell us why, because they're going to come at you with statistics of how many of the people who came up with the Declaration of Independence were Christian and so on and so on. So how are you going to respond to that? some of those that? statistics are accurate. Some, some are. Of some are. They are Christianity is not some are skewed, skewed, though. Christianity is not at the fabric of our American way of life. So, so what is? Huh? Well, what, I what think, is that? Well, we, we, we muddy the water when we merge the two together. So American ideals of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? Although, you know, as a Christian, we could look at some of those values and say, hey, there's some helpful things. Those are some positive things. That itself is 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 not the identity of what it means to be a Christian. Would you argue then that we took those those positive ideals and baptized them? What do you mean by that? Like like that we took them and and made them um I don't know. I mean like like we took it a step further rather than saying these are positive ideals, these are good things to build a nation on that we baptized them a step further and said right. that these are all um all all always Christian ideas. These are, this all comes from the Bible. Um, I mean, do you know what I'm saying? I kind of, I kind of do. And so I, I would, I would put it this way. I would put it that America has always been a theistic nation. Mm-hmm. Meaning? Meaning God has been the subject of God. One God um, has been at the center of the founding of the nation. Right. Look in the documents, look in all the stuff. There is a higher power who is there. Um, however, the idea that people have believed in salvation by grace through faith and that that is because <laughs> come on now, that's the gospel. Come on now. Um, to be a Christian, you have to be saved by grace through faith. Mm-hmm. That's what the Bible says. Christianity in the true specific sense of I have a personal relationship with God through what Jesus has done for me. That is a different story than what people, I think, define as America being a Christian nation. When they define it as a Christian nation, they're like, well, what about what about people uplifting Christian values? Okay, well, moral values were. Uh, well, what about this? Well, Judeo-Christian values might have been at the center of a lot of the fabric. But at the same time, that was more based on the people who were coming than the fabric of the nation, so to speak. Because let's just be honest here. Thomas Jefferson was the farthest thing from a Christian mm-hmm. that ever was, yet he was one of the founding fathers of the country. So he you literally can't, created his own Bible. You can't. We don't even need to get into all <laughs> the problems I with think him. We're getting into the weeds here. All, right. all I'm trying to say is that as America has shifted to becoming more and most more and more postmodern nation mm-hmm. in how we view truth. There has been an ever widening gap in terms of maybe values that were held that were similar, but that were not equal. So um, Time wrote an article earlier this year, and I, I don't have time to get into all of it, but they, they stated it this way. The title of the article was The Growing Anti-Democratic Threat of Christian Nationalism in the U.S. Now, listen to what they make the statement. They said the threat of Christian nationalism is buried within the seemingly harmless language of heritage, culture, and values. So I think they're rightly picking up the understanding that, um, you know, b- before America was a very much postmodern nation, 
there was some similar values that might have yes. been equally shared among Christians and, and country, that. but we are that ever that there's an ever widening gap that is growing mm-hmm. there. And so if you if you if you linked if a Christian links their nationalism and their Christianity like in one thing then you will always take the attitude of trying to reform a culture. And I truly, I'm telling you, that is where evangelical Christianity is today. It seems like we're Mm -hmm. always 10 years behind on an issue because we're constantly trying to reform a culture where it went wrong. And you know why reforming a culture doesn't work is because, like you said, we have an increasing gap between what we would hold to as our, you know, Judeo-Christian ethic. Like there's this this gap that's widening between the church and the culture. That's no longer even shared today in society. It's, it's not shared today at all in a postmodern world. But why it doesn't work to reform a culture is because the church is now expecting lost people not to act like lost people. Yeah. Like you can't expect somebody who is not alive in Christ to act alive in Christ. Right. And it's not it's not a fair expectation that we're putting on lost people. Right. Yeah, and it, it doesn't even they don't need Judeo Christian ethics. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. <laughs> like Judeo Christian ethics is not gonna is not gonna make a hill of beans when you stand before God at the judgment seat. It's gonna matter if you know Jesus. And so yeah, Judeo-Christian ethics can be uplifted, and they are. Like, as people who are Christians, we would uplift many of those yes. values and things. But at the end of the day, that's not what the culture needs. The culture needs Jesus, and they don't care about your Judeo-Christian ethics because the gap is so wide now in the culture we live in. We we struggle with this because we do live in a very great nation, mm-hmm. and I think we are— um, you know, we 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 receive the benefits of of people, specifically in America, have the privilege of living in a country. You know, but that has been built upon the idea that government is of the people, by the people, and for the people. All right. And so, I mean, as an American citizen, I get the opportunity to vote in on mm-hmm. elected representatives, people who are actually representing the people. And so, I mean, just think about the privilege of living in a republic. It's very different than many places in the world. But what we've done is we've elevated the values that that republic once held that I don't know if it no, lo- it no longer does. Right. But what it once did, we've equated that to Christianity. And so, you know, we've, we've so tied our Christianity to our culture and our, our, our political leanings. And some of that, and I don't want to take the time, but a lot of that has to do, and you could study and look at what happened, but, um, you know, when you think about Protestants in America— and the issue of abortion with Roe v. Wade, I mean, that became kind of a landslide shift in terms of Christian identity because Christians started associating with a political party based solely around that one issue rather than remembering, you know, we are first and foremost Christians. So you would disagree with that? Is abortion a political issue, though? No, I'm saying I'm saying that one issue created kind of a landslide. I see what you're like, saying. Look, because what, what most, came out of that? Look I see what at, you're look saying. Look at what happened with the moral majority and all of the stuff that happened. I see what you're saying. You yeah. know, and trying to legislate morality with it's like with Falwell. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm not, I, I get what I'm you're not saying. saying it's against him. I'm just saying, like, look at what's happened. 
there's a reason for all of that. Yeah. And so that just brings me to my question. I think we got a little bit in the weeds. You may differ with us and that's okay because this is where we land and you got to work on where you land. Right. Um, but today, let me ask you guys a question. Is it all right then based off of what we've described? Is it all right for a Christian to be nationalistic? <laughs> Man, that's a trick question. Come on. No, it's not a trick question. <laughs> what do you all think? I, I, here's my take, okay? Here's where I land. I land in a place where I would say, as a Christian, you ought to be patriotic. Um, I think you see that in Paul's writing. Paul was going to be the best citizen he could be mm-hmm. at a given time. Uh, Jesus even preaches to be a good citizen. He valued Paul valued his Roman citizenship, he mm-hmm. and he was he was he even like mentioned it in a positive manner. So like there is a devotion and a patriotism that is acceptable. Because let's just be honest here. I mean, here's where I land. I'm thankful that I was born in the good old U.S. of A., and I'm thankful that I am an American, and I'm I'm patriotic. That's who I am. And I think it's okay to be patriotic. However, to be nationalistic and to have an ideology of nationalism that I will do whatever, however, to elevate um, my country and my culture over anyone else, we're starting to step on some scriptural uh, (laughs) principles here when I get into that. And I can't go there. So I would say I, I think it's okay to be patriotic. But to be nationalistic in the way that has been defined and seen throughout history, I don't think you can get to that point and still keep all of Scripture as a whole. We talked about that on our episode of Refugees with Morgan. We did. Because it's like, hey, look, you can disagree on an immigration policy, but if you start to disagree on how you're treating people Mm -hmm. who are coming into the country or how we're treating them as they're coming into like that goes against what it means to be a Christian. Yeah. Right. So, Laura, where do you land on all this about is it all right for a Christian to be a nationalistic Christian? So I'm with Stephen on I'm so thankful to have been born in the United States. Like our family lived overseas for a few years. And and that like I knew I was thankful to be an American. But now I really know I'm thankful <laughs> to be an American. Yes. And I'll never forget the first time we came back into the States. I was at the um, like the immigrant like the place you stop where they stamp your passport like immigration and stuff when you come in and and anyway there was this official this woman that looked at me and said welcome home and she stamped my passport and i started to cry and i was just so thankful to have been born here so i don't want to demean like like steven said we don't want to demean the gift that we have been given exactly and and i'm so thankful so we're not here to do that um but is it okay for a christian to be nationalistic i think the other thing that i think of is that in my mind, there's an there's another element to nationalism that I see among Christians, and it's this idea that somehow America is like now the chosen nation of God, or that we are specifically linked to His plan to redeem the world. I see there's some real weird things going on there, and and I think that that we should talk about that. Well, what do you think about it? I mean, so when you when you say that, what do you think? I think that the nation of Israel was the nation that God chose to bring the Messiah. He he used the nation of Israel to um, display His redemptive plan. He chose them. He created them. He chose them, and then He brought the Messiah through them, Jesus. And I think they are that they are that particular chosen people group. We are not. We are not mm-hmm. Israel. And sometimes you even see churches taking promises that were given to the nation of Israel All and trying time. to apply them right. to us. Right. And not only is that a really bad hermeneutic, 
which is a pet peeve of mine. Yes. It's it's really wrong. But that's what drives the that's what drives what you're talking is a, about. Is a poor hermeneutic. And by hermeneutic we mean how you interpret the Bible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too some of that gets birthed out of um, even historically how missions was done, right? Mm-hmm. And how people from America would go to a foreign nation to spread the gospel. And specifically because at certain parts of history, that was needed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that even through the years now, we've developed that idea of like, we send missionaries to those people to hear about the gospel. That's an, that's an element of nationalism. Mm-hmm. Because guess what? Um, other nations are starting to take over the United States as the biggest missionary sending forces in the entire world. Right. I think of like South Korea and others that are sending so many missionaries to other parts of the world to spread the gospel. And you bring up a good point because out of that movement, you know, in the late 20th century in terms of Which mission work, what did you see? No, <laughs> but now you see a lot of colonization yes. in terms of mission approach yes. rather than kind of a holistic. Which is a whole you, other conversation. Which, which is yeah, yeah, we, another we conversation. I'm just saying these things are linked together. And I think, you know, patriotism is appropriate. Look at what Paul did in the in in Romans. You know, I mean, he talked about being subject to the governing authorities. Mm -hmm. So certainly Paul has in mind uh, support for your nation. Uh, You know, you see in First Timothy where Paul says that pray for our leaders, those in authority of the nation. Why? That 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 we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. And so I think you see not only Paul appealing to his citizenship, um, there are moments where, you know, Paul Paul values his Roman citizenship. And I think that's for me, when I think about all these things, I think, you know, it's okay to love my country, to love the culture that I came from for each person, right? And to appreciate it. And I should want to seek to add value to that. I mean, I think that's part of why we want to be engaged with our society. You know, we want to add value to that. But here's the thing. My patriotism should never replace my primary allegiance. Mm -hmm. Because as a Christian, if I look at nationalism as it truly is, you know, portrayed, it ultimately puts my confidence in an unstable kingdom because no nation lasts forever. And and if we mm-hmm. if we're so foolish and arrogant to think that man we're the best and we're always going to be here and this is and I tie everything in my life to that, then you know we're 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 not heeding the words of scripture where in Hebrews we read therefore since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, right? Mm-hmm. So ultimately Jesus kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And um and I think Christians would do well to pick up the language that scripture uses to talk about the church. And in the New Testament, the word is pilgrims, sojourners. Um, I actually think when, when I thought about the episode on Christian nationalism, the first thing I thought about was Paul's letter to the Philippians. Because, you know, Philippi was a Roman colony, and it was known for its imperial nationalism. I mean, the culture in Philippi prided itself in being a military town, a Roman colony, your honor, your privilege of Roman citizenship, all of that was prized. And Paul writes to the church in Philippi, this very nationalistic, imperial-driven culture, and he says, brothers, our citizenship is heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. And so here's the thing. I think the challenge for every one of us when we think about our patriotism and our response to the society that we're living in, especially in the day that we're in, 
is to embrace what Paul is saying in that letter when he says earlier, he says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. In the original language, it's literally the idea of, it's it's literally this idea of only behave as a citizen worthy of the gospel. And, you know, I think Christians would do well to, to heed that. I mean, we all would do well to to heed that, that, you know, I think, man, that's why there's been such a muddy, I mean, that's why the Times, the Times article that was written back in May of this year, the growing anti-democratic threat of Christian nationalism in the U.S. is because that's how our society is viewing Christians. Mm-hmm. It, we are not, I mean, I, I, I can't speak for everybody, but I mean, as I just look at the church it, it at large, man, it doesn't, in America, it doesn't seem that the church is doing well to live as citizens worthy of an eternal kingdom. Yeah. And then that's shaping the way that we're engaging in the present. Yeah, because ultimately we are citizens of the kingdom of God. We've even done an episode, by the way. I think it would actually be helpful for people to go back. This was episode number... Takes us back to our roots, man. Episode one. Look at that, Look man. At this. It's full circle. <laughs> Look at that. You should go back and listen to our first episode, though, as a as maybe a help in this, because we talked about being citizens of two kingdoms. We didn't dive into this issue as much, but it's kind of a basic background of what we mean when we're talking about the kingdom of God. So as we kind of land here, so to speak, as we land the plane on where we land, um, how do we balance then being a Christian, but still being an American citizen and kind of like, what is the role even of a Christian in the American political landscape that we live in as we move forward? Cause I think that's where really the rubber is going to meet the road in this day and age that we live in. Well, I think that, I mean, in my mind, it's what you're talking about, the kingdom of God. So if our first allegiance as Americans is to first and foremost, the kingdom of God, which, um, has come and is still coming. You know, we wait for that that future kingdom as we live as citizens here on earth. But I think that our our our, our I would argue that our role would be to support and further the will of God on earth. Um, it you know I was thinking about the Lord's prayer this morning. The Lord instructed us to pray that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, and that should be what we're committed to. Um, not so much the furtherance of a specific political landscape or political party. We can be involved in those things and pray for those things and support. Um, seek to add value yeah, in the society that we're value. living in. Yes, that's a good way of putting it. But I think that we should be dedicated to furthering the will of God on earth and that mm-hmm. this should come from a natural outflow of seeking first the kingdom of God in our own personal lives. Yeah. You know, when I think about all this and then what is the response of each of us, I um, I think about a quote that I think it was John MacArthur said it this way. He said, religious liberty is not promised to the church. Persecution is. Mm. But, you know, wow. that 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 really is hard to, to take hard in to swallow, being an American mm-hmm. because we've so like it's in the fabric of our DNA of who we are growing up in a country like this where we've had tremendous privileges of religious freedom. Mm-hmm. And we want to equate a lot of times what we've had in the past and the promise of that or like what what is in our Constitution well, we've overvalued that over than what the Bible's even saying. Jesus says his church will experience. Yeah. So it's not that we uh, don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying don't engage in society. Don't um, don't be involved in in working to see true change. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is that we as Christians ought to start where Paul starts and the gospel starts 
and that is the life change of people, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and we should be more about that business uh, than we are, you know, our focus should be citizens of heaven and our, our, our aim, our endeavors should always have that at the forefront of our conversations or what we're trying to do or achieve rather than building or sustaining a, a really shakable kingdom. Yeah. It comes down to me. I'm not a Christian who is an American. I'm an American who is a Christian. And so that's what it comes down to for me. And it, it, are there things in society that I'm going to stand against or go? Sure. But it's not going to be because I'm an American. It's going to be because I'm a Christian. Mm. Um, that's what's going to drive me. And I'm going to be thankful for the nation I live in. I mean, hey, I'm still going to um, <laughs> sing the <laughs> sing the national anthem and I'm going to still have an American flag. I mean, I'm an American. Great. However, I'm not going to talk about an issue like an abortion because I'm an American or because I'm a nationalistic Christian or because I'm a cause of a certain political party. I want to talk about it from the gospel. I want to talk about why, how the gospel applies to a situation like that. And so if I'm talking to somebody who maybe even has experienced that, I'm not going to talk to them and bash them over the head because you're against my political choice or you're against this. I want to talk to them about what the gospel says about that and what the gospel says about their life, if that makes sense. So that's how, how I kind of balance it. I want to be gospel centric and where that overlaps politics, where that overlaps my patriotism, uh, great. But my patriotism is subject to my allegiance to the kingdom of God. Thank you for listening to Where We Land, Christ, Culture, and the Church. Hey, listen, if there's anything you heard us talk about on the show today that you would like to know more about, we'd love to hear from you. So engage with us on social media or find us on our website at whereweland.org. After listening to our conversation, I'm sure this has challenged your thinking on this particular subject. So we would challenge you to go to our website and download the landing guide at whereweland.org so that you can work through some of the resources, the articles that we referenced, some key scripture passages, and it'll include a few pointed discussion questions so that you might better understand where you land. Hey, listen, we hope to see you here on the podcast next time. We'll see you then.